Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Judy. Thank you. You might walk out, you know. <laughs> My name's Judy. I am a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Judy. Hi, family. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to say tonight. All I know is that it's an honor to be asked to share at an OA meeting. And I accepted that honor. And I am grateful to see all of you in a room because you care about yourself at this very moment. I care about myself an awful lot. That is not selfish, self-centeredness. That's come at a huge price of hating myself at one stage of life. And I've evolved into a person who generally likes myself much of the time. And I just want to tell you, as a little dingling carrot over here, forgive the food thought, <laughs> you know that phrase, a dangling carrot, is um, if you're here, you love yourself to some level right now. Because I don't know about you, we could be anywhere on a Tuesday night, but I'm choosing to be at an OA meeting. Why? Because OA has saved my life physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Without a doubt, I am a different person because I came through the doors of Overeaters Anonymous and I chose to stay. One of my many addictions is the addiction to perfectionism. And I can tell you that that kills me probably quicker than anything else does because I set myself up for unrealistic goals which don't allow for recovery to take its natural course with the aid of my higher power. And that perfectionism is really, for me, a killer. It's just a part of my story. The only thing that I have ever done perfectly in Overeaters Anonymous is I've kept coming back. It's the only thing I've done perfectly. I've done everything under the sun. I've been here for a long time. I came to OA in 1982 in Los Angeles. I've been in two different intergroups since. We moved up to the Bay Area out in Contra Costa County, and I now live in San Rafael and Marin. I live in this body. It's the only one we're given, right? This is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is life. And what I have learned to do is to cherish this body that I've been given and see it as a house that takes me through the travels of life. And so I don't want to kill it any longer. And how I killed it was with food, primarily. Um, when I got here, I was actually probably at one of my lowest weights I've ever been. How's that? I then went through a lot of years of uh, binging, a lot of years of eating compulsively, um, continuing to work steps as best as I could. And at some point, I know that I weighed probably over 250 pounds because I just kind of couldn't weigh anymore after that number. 
So knowing what it is to be a century person is something uh, I wear the scars of our disease. Um, I, I, there's, this, there's this great um, OA um, um, meeting place. It's, it's actually, it's, a, it's, it's only an OA meeting place down in Southern California in the Valley. And it said somewhere on the walls there, turn your scars into stars. And I really relate to that. Um, you know, um, life happens. And what I've learned to do is to um, roll with the flow of life. Because what I've been taught is 12 steps that helps me to uh, adjust to life on life's terms without compulsively overeating. So um, I don't even know what I want to say. I think what I want to talk about is some basic stuff. And um, in order for me to do that is um, I need to talk about how I came to having a foundation for my recovery. So that's one of my big issues. So every structure, as we all know, has a foundation at the bottom of it usually a concrete slab somewhere under your house or under this building or whatever. And um, these windows and these walls and earthquakes and storms and wind and rain and life happens and a window blows out. And what my program has taught me to do is to have a foundation that's strong enough and it's based on spiritual principles so that when that window goes flying out, or when that wall comes caving down, I just rebuild a wall. I just put up a new window. I don't ever have to like start over. The whole starting over thing is um, perfectionism manifesting itself in me. I don't do that any longer. I just do what the steps have taught me, what sponsors have taught me, Working with sponsees is probably the most important part of my recovery because it reminds me every day that every time I think, I get a little emotional at this, every time I think I'm here so that Judy could have this fabulous life and live in recovery from compulsive overeating, the steps, the traditions, the prayers in our program have taught me It's not about me getting this thing and having this great life. It's about me experiencing recovery so that I have some way to be of service to you because I can understand the moccasins you walk in. I've walked in them. That's what makes us so strong. It's not our strength. It's our weaknesses. It's our common bond that binds us to each other. It's knowing man, I did that again and I feel horrible about myself. When I talk about that with another compulsive overeater, I'm on the way to recovery. It's when I hide about that. It's when I'm so filled with shame over that. It's when I just beat myself up continually over that, that I am not only not on the way to recovery, I'm on my way to my next bench. So what I've learned here is that... um, Loving me, gently, (laughs) cautiously, acceptingly, 
accepting myself with all of my vast imperfections and shortcomings is what my job is to do today. That's my job. So part of my, again, foundation is I do very specific things every day that keep me in touch with what my truth is. And since we're talking about food, I'll just mention one of my foundational things. One of the things that changed everything for me was when I made a decision to have conscious eating. Really conscious eating. I don't know about any of you. Laugh if you wish. When I took a portion of, let's just say, crackers out of the box to eat, and there were this many crackers left, I had to rifle through all of them because God knows I just wanted them gone and out and done, throw the box away. That was what I call unconscious eating. Another way to have unconscious eating is with completely healthy, wonderful, great foods, but I'm just like, you know, sometimes I, I'm so hungry if I wait too long to eat or whatever, and I, and I find myself sitting at a meal, and I'll find myself just like, you know, because I'm hungry. And it's like by the seventh or eighth bite, I think to myself, wait a minute, I didn't taste anything that went inside of me. It just like went in, just went down fast. That is unconscious eating. I don't beat myself up for it. I stop. I pause. I say, wait a minute. Let me taste what I'm having here. Let me feel what it feels like in my mouth. Let me chew it. Let me swallow it. Let me enjoy the food that I eat. I don't think I was given taste buds to not enjoy food. I think I was meant to enjoy food as a human being. However, I became obsessive, compulsive, and um, what's the word when you're like, uh, you know, I hate to use the word pig, but when you're just like, you know, eating vast quantities so that I don't feel. I give myself permission to feel today. Not only do I feel, I encourage my feelings. So if I'm ever in a situation where it's like, suddenly, I'm hungry. Well, that to me really is, that's just the manifestation of my shortcomings, really. I'm probably hungry because I'm feeling something I really rather not feel. And frankly, the thought of eating a lot of food or even any amount of food or going to food simply is a way for me to sate the feelings. Go away. Mm-mm. I don't feel like dealing with you today. I, I'm, I'm just a believe. This is just my story, by the way. I don't speak for Overeaters Anonymous. I speak for my own recovery. But I believe I ate because I didn't know uh, how to feel, I didn't want to feel, and I certainly didn't give myself any permission to feel, nor was I safe to feel. So I don't know about any of you, I have a home group that I go to that I am so safe, I can tell them anything. And I do, I tell them everything. I have people in OA that I call my life preservers, So people I've known for over 35 years, that if they don't see me for a little while or haven't heard from me for a little bit, all of a sudden, here comes a little phone call. Life preserver, whomph. Where are you, Judy? What the hell's going on? Haven't seen you. Miss you. What's happening? Do you need to talk? Are you okay? Is there something in your life that's causing you pain? And again, pain is just a wall that's come down. 
if I have a strong enough foundation of recovery. So, I don't know. I just, I know that that's what's been crucial for me and for my recovery. Um, I want to have a little conversation about a higher power. There's a lot of newcomers in the room. Yay, (laughs) you. Yay, you for being here. You know why? And for the non-newcomers as well. As I said, the first thing I said is, you must care about yourself a little bit tonight because you're here. You're looking for a solution to your problem, whatever your problem is. If your problem has something to do with food, weight, body image, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. So welcome specifically to the newcomers. Um, I want to talk about my higher power for the last few minutes I have to talk because um, it's what I rely on every day, multiple times a day, because um, I don't know how to do this thing alone. I was a very arrogant person before I got here. Now I'm just a little arrogant. I used to think I knew everything. Now I think I only know just a little bit about something. In fact, the longer I live, the more I realize I don't know beans about anything. So um, what I do is I rely, again, like I said, on people that I can tell the truth to. But I connect with my higher power. And um, I always get a little um, anxious talking about this because it's very personal to me. So, um, like I said, I've been here a long time, and I've tried all different kinds of higher powers. Um, What I have found that works for me is a very simple form of higher power. Higher power to me is love. Pure and simple. Because I didn't have a way of explaining, well, how do all these horrible things happen in the world? and we will not name all of them. How do they happen? I think they happen when there's an absence of love, when there's an absence of, to me, higher power, God. God, to me, is love. So what I've had to learn to do is to grab love and learn to really have it be a part of my life. I was never enough growing up. I have two older brothers. They were very, I grew up in a, a very sexist home. Well, the boys will go to law school, of course, but Judy, you know. Well, the boys can have dessert, but Judy, you don't get dessert. I mean, that was just an example of what it was like, a very small example of what it was like. And I, I built up lots of resentments over that. Well, hello, there's steps, you know, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine. Keep going, right? Um, But newcomers, don't worry about that today. Worry about um, going to a meeting tomorrow night. That's it. It's the reason it's the last thing we say at a meeting. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. And what has happened for me, I hope can happen for you. I know it's happened for others. I've talked to people about it, is I've learned to really love myself. It sounds funny to say it like that, doesn't it? But I thought it was not okay to love myself because I shamed myself. 
I learned shame at the feet of the master. I was shamed by my parents and brothers all my life. And I've learned that shame does nothing for me. It kills my soul. It doesn't allow me to thrive. It doesn't allow me to live fully. And it certainly doesn't allow me to have any defense against food. Because when I'm living in shame, there's, there's, ah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm cooked. I'm, I'm in it. So I've learned how to take shame and other major shortcomings of mine. And um, <clears throat> what I do is I, I, I uh, say to them, hello, old friend. I no longer say, go away, you suck, you're ruining my life, fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on tape. Um, I don't. I actually say, hello, old friend. What's going on? Why you feel that right now? What's really happening? Again, for me, the food is just a manifestation of what's not working in my life. The hole inside of me that 10 pounds of food, and 10 tons of food, and <coughs> 10 gallons of food, whatever, would never fill. It couldn't fill because it was a hole that needed to get filled with the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous, a fellowship that is rich and diverse and delicious, and a knowledge that I matter, and I like me, and I love me, and I'm going to keep coming back no matter what, and I hope you do the same. Bless you all.